I could get on and I could ride effortlessly. It took no effort to do these amazing things that I, in the past, I would struggle. You know, you have to use your inside leg and your outside leg and your inside rein and your outside hip and you have to contort this horse into some semblance of a shoulder in. I have more energy after I have ridden these days than I do before. Welcome to Come Along for the Ride, where we love to bring consciousness to the horse world. And we're also making the world a better place for horses. I'm your host, Tracy Malone. I was born on the country of the Wiradjuri people. And this podcast is brought to you from my home in the Sanford Valley in the northwest of Brisbane, Australia. I'd like to acknowledge the Turrbal and Yuggera people, the traditional custodians of this land on which this podcast is made and where my family and horses live and gather. I'd like to recognise their connection to land, water, community and our sacred animals. I am grateful to Elders past, present and emerging for keeping the sacred land here in Sanford safe and protected throughout many tens of thousands of years. I have great pride to live on country where the oldest known human beings tended to this land. I'm also grateful that you have taken the time to choose this podcast at this very moment. Thank you for being a part of the global change we are making to the welfare and training of horses. It's so great to be back in your ears and bringing you another new episode of Come Along for the Ride. Before we do that, though, it's time to give a shout out to our amazing and fantastic patrons who are an integral part of the Come Along for a Ride family. A massive thank you goes out to Amy Lopez and Belinda Dawes for kicking off the Patreon subscriber world and family that we've got going here. Now, Belinda is someone that I need to tell you a bit more about because she's signed on as a patron um, for the shout out and link. Belinda is a certified connection training coach. She is trained with Hannah Weston, Rachel Beddingfield and Shauna Karash. Her business is called Journey Equine, Positive Horse Training and Coaching. Belinda has come into the Come Along for the Ride family at just the perfect time. I love it when this happens. It was at the very same time that I was looking for a coach. Belinda lives on the Gold Coast, so she's close enough to be able to travel to me and my horses. Belinda also, though, works with clients online, so she can support you wherever you are in the world. We've just had our first coaching session and I found Belinda to be calm and really able to see the tiny nuances that you need to be able to, to get clicker training right and not make all the mistakes and and send your horse into a, a bit of a frenzy, which is what can happen with this work if you don't lay the right foundations that I've found in the past. She worked so beautifully with me and my horses. I really loved that Belinda didn't want to rush through training and push the horses or push me. We did a little bit, we did just the right amount, and then we le- she left it at the perfect spot. And if she had an ego, she would have wanted to push a little bit further and do that one more thing. And that, folks, to me, is where the problems happen in training, in my opinion. 
So not only do I recommend Belinda because she's a Patreon subscriber to the podcast, but I can also make a very, very clear and very happy personal recommendation for the work that she does. So I love that she's been able to take up this option and I love that she's close enough to me um, because she's now become a really important person in mine and my horse's life. And I'd love you to to check her out. You can actually find Belinda at journeyequine.com and the link's in the show notes. And I'll link you to all her social media as well so you can check her out and uh, and drop her a line if you would like her support. If you would like to become a subscriber to the podcast and help us get back to weekly episodes to be able to bring you more amazing content on a more regular basis, then please head on over to patreon.com slash come along for the ride and subscribe. The link's in the show notes. For less than two cups of coffee a month, it's really not much that you need to give to make a massive difference. Not only are you making a difference to to me and my ability to get this out to you, but you're making a difference to the world of horses and we get to keep making that positive change into horses' lives every day. Did you also know that I am looking for a business partner for Eden River Equestrian? So if you're looking to join a business venture that makes the world a better place for horses and literally leaves the earth a better place than we found it, then please get in touch. Now, in this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Monty Gwynn from Equispeak. Monty teaches classical dressage through positive reinforcement. So she's a trainer after my own heart. The best way to introduce her is to read directly from her website. This is a quote from her homepage. This quote is by Nuno Oliveira from 1961. I believe that there are two categories of equestrians, those who, while skilled, use the horse as a tool, and those who love him and allow him to express the brilliance of which he is capable. The former are not less expert than the latter. During dressage tests, They may even triumph, although never taking the risk of making a mistake when the opportunity to yield with the hand occurs and lightness presents itself. The latter always risks being the damned poets of this art. They are misunderstood by the masses of riders who cannot distinguish between the means used by the former or those of the latter. Only the latter enjoy the true pleasure of feeling how a creature cooperates without constraint as a friend. It's a bit special, that quote, isn't it? And it's a really beautiful way to introduce the wonderful Monty Gwynn. Here is Monty. Monty, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you very much, Tracy, for inviting me to come and do this podcast with you. It's such a delight to have someone else out there try and organize us all so that people can listen to us and and learn in one place and get the word out there for all the important work that we all do. Yeah, thank you. I love doing what I do. And what is it that you do? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, my my, uh, business has been renamed Equispeak. Um, it used to be called, I used to be called the Pony Fairy for probably over 20 years. And everybody said that was um, too juvenile for the work that I do because I do a lot of um, classical dressage training, but it's done with positive reinforcement. Wow. So 
they thought I needed a little more sophisticated name than the Pony Fairy, but I'll always be the Pony Fairy. That's that's who I am. Yeah, beautiful. But when I hear the word Pony Fairy, I think kids' parties, to be completely right. honest. So I like Equispeak, but I love that you're a Pony Fairy as well because it takes a little bit of magic in what we do as well. It absolutely does, yes, and that, that's a huge part of the work uh, is that magical connection. Mm, beautiful. So did you grow up with horses? Well, I sort of did. I'm, I'm a bit of an anomaly because I was born in Banff, Alberta, and there's not very many people that can sort of say that. Banff used to be a very tiny little tourist town, mm. um, and... When I was growing up, my, my mom and dad, dad was born in Banff, mom was born in Saskatchewan, and there wasn't a lot of horse stuff in Banff. For some reason, I don't know, I must have inherited it from a skipped generation or something, but it's always been my passion. Um, so what would happen is if I was good all week, I would get to go on a trail ride on Sunday. Wow. And that started when I was six years old. I'd be good for that. <laughs> I'd be an angel child for that. Why didn't my parents? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, so it just kind of grew from there. And my poor pet dogs when I was little, um, they were dachshunds. So I trained them all to lunge. And <laughs> I would walk on my knees over top of them and we would ride around the carpeted areas in the house. Oh, wow. So um, just obviously it was part of me from the very beginning. Um, yes, definitely. Yeah. I haven't yeah. heard of anyone else who's lunged their dogs. That's fantastic. That's definitely. Yeah, made, made little saddles for them and little <laughs> bridles and it was like, oh, boy. <laughs> if only we grew up in the days where social media was around. I'd love to see a video of that. Exactly right. I don't even have any pictures of that back for old school. But, uh, yeah, so it was, it was great fun. And, and back then because um, – there wasn't much in the way of horses. You could only have horses in the in Banff because it's a national park, um, and they had a special little area. You could only keep them for two months of the year if they were your private horses, and that's about the length of time that the trail ride operation was opened as well. So when I was 10 years old, um, I talked mom and dad into finding me a horse. And, of course, it was not an easy horse. Um, it was It was sort of baptism by fire. Um, and because I didn't have any help, her, her name was Pet. And she was an older horse when I got her. I was told by the people that you couldn't ride her with a bit and that she was really, really barn sour and all sorts of wonderful traits. Wow. But she was, she was what we could have. So that's, that's what I got. And um, because there were no instructors in Banff, and no one there really to help me do anything, um, I read. I read every book I could get my hands on. And I tried all these different things to try and get this horse to um, become a better partner. Uh, she was horribly Barnsour, horribly, horribly Barnsour. So I tried all sorts of different things. Um, but what worked in the end was food. So it was even way back then when I didn't know what I was doing. And this is, we're talking many years ago, um, many, many years ago. So that's what started to get her being able to go away 
um, from the barn. We'd go as far as we could and then we'd stop and we'd graze a little bit and then we'd go back to the barn a little bit and then we'd turn around and we'd go out and we'd, if she was walking nicely, we'd stop and graze a little bit. So um, I really value those experiences and value the fact that I had to sort of tease things apart even back then. I think it's made me a, the trainer that I am today, the having the ability to experiment and tease things apart and thin slice things so that behaviors um, can be learned errorlessly. Mm, there's so much to be said for allowing kids to figure stuff out, no matter what it oh, is. Absolutely, right? If it's not life-threatening. Yes, um, obviously. Right? In a safe yes. way. Yes. But yeah. it's so wonderful to just say, you can do this. I'm sure you'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Look at that, you did. So how did yeah. that horse go for you in the end? She was amazing. We um, had little local horse shows and gymkhanas and stuff, and uh, we did very, very well. Uh, she lasted uh, many, many years. Um, I should have warned you, I cry very easily. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, she was... Uh, so she the connection was, was deep. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah, we used to... We got to, <clears throat> excuse me, where we could ride... We could either ride right next to the train tracks, which was back then you didn't think it was anything. And nowadays it would be like, oh my God, like I was right next to the train tracks with this horse mm. and the trains would go past. We'd ride on trails where there were moose and there was no problem at all. So that was, that was the start of my journey was with her. Um, oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, it was very nice. And then I, I got a little Arab that I trained and she went really well and, um, I was fortunate enough to, um, in the summers, um, go and work on different ranches and learn different styles, um, you know, cutting and reining and uh, jumping and all those, those great things. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, a delightful childhood, and I learned a lot. I went to university and wanted to be a veterinarian, uh, but was told when I applied, and this is back in the day when, of course, women were not supposed to do a lot of the things we do now, uh, that I knew too much about what I wanted to do, which I thought was very curious. <laughs> right? It's like, okay, so I should have studied arts rather than science before I applied for vet school. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, it was very odd. It was very odd. Um, but that was okay because... Um, you know, things always happen for a reason. So I ended up in the States and I learned from a, an amazing fellow down there um, in Pittsburgh um, to do uh, voltage. So uh, I don't know if you're familiar with I that. Didn't, I've not heard that word before. Uh, it's vaulting on horseback. So it's where you see two or three people on horseback at a time and they do gymnastic exercises on horses. Ah, okay. Now I've got you. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. So it was, it was cool. And I came back and I started to teach um, young children that because it was a really nice way to get kids learning to help each other. And we're way off sidetrack of clicker training, but this is, I'll, I'll try and show oh, they're all They're all important though, aren't they? Because this is learning about um, you, you have to have connection, cooperation and teamwork with everyone involved, horses and human right. alike. Yeah, yeah. And my vaulting horse was, again, another, another rescue from nobody could do anything with him. He was a big, huge um, 
Belgian Morgan Cross, and they said they couldn't get him to stop. Well, even back then, I was still dabbling with food. I didn't have a marker signal or anything like that, but I was still playing with that food that worked so well with my first horse. And he was amazing. He would stop on a dime, and he loved the kids. Wow. Everyone's got their job, don't they? You know, everyone is just can be difficult until they're living their passion and they're in the place they're meant to be and then everything can just go easily. Isn't it? That's right. That's for sure. The right, yeah. right person, right place, right horse. Magic. Yeah. Yep. And Absolutely. a lot of hard work and a lot of ingenuity and it's oh, not well. just magic, but it's, it's no. magic that all of this comes together to culminate into something so beautiful. It is. It absolutely is. So we'll, we'll fast forward a little bit. I, I, um, we, we bred and trained Tennessee walking horses for 10 years. I, I trained many different kinds of horses um, through the, the many years. I was a professional horse trainer and very successful at it, um, even though I was still living in the world of, um, you know, pressure and release. That's how everybody trained back then pretty much. And I still fed at the end of, you know, a good class or something like that. But it wasn't the, the scientific way to do things that I didn't find out about until I met Alex and uh, Alexander Curlin. And I met Alex ooh, probably at least 25 years ago. Mm. Um, it was after I had my, my second daughter and my body was not holding up very well as far as having to do a lot of the pressure and release work, even though I was, you know, it wasn't, over-the-top pressure and release. It was still really hard on my body. Mm -hmm. um, and riding the way that I had been taught, mostly by myself, um, was also getting to be very hard on my body. Ah, so I sort so of what, stumbled. What way Sorry. was that? Can you explain that a little bit more? How was the riding harder on your body? Well, it's just, it's the, and there's still most of the riding that is out there today. It's hard work. People make it hard work. It does. It um, looks like hard work with some people, doesn't it? You can right, and it 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 shouldn't be. You know, you shouldn't have to keep a cue on to keep a horse trotting. You shouldn't have to muscle them into a shoulder in. And the reason that I've found in the last years that you have to do that is because the horses don't understand the cues that they should have been trained on the ground. So that's where the classical work comes in because in classical dressage, everything is started in hand on the ground. Yeah, wow. And everybody thinks, well, that's just groundwork, which people over here think it's just lunging horses, which it's <laughs> not. Um, so I found that once the horses that I trained on the ground through the positive reinforcement work that I was starting to do more consistently, I could get on and I could ride effortlessly. It took no effort to do these amazing things that I, in the past, I would struggle. You know, you have to use your inside leg and your outside leg and your inside rein and your outside hip, and you have to contort this horse into some semblance of a shoulder in. Which is why um, I never liked dressage until I started to learn only in the recent years about classical dressage. And this mm -hmm. is the difference. When I say dressage now, it means classical to me and this is why this is such a beautiful description thank you oh you're very well it is it is uh i have more energy after i have ridden 
these days than I do before. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's just cool. And, and I, Alex started me on that journey. She showed me at the very first clinic I went to, she showed me this picture of Nuno Olivero doing a piaf on a loose rein. And I said to her, I would love to do this, but I do not want to do it the way that everybody else does it. If you can show me how to do this, I will follow you. So that's what happened. And um, I've trained, I trained with Alex quite a bit in the, in the early years. She would come up twice a year. Um, so I was on my own, again, learning by myself, trying to figure all this out because she was only coming up twice a year. Mm. Um, and and my, my knowledge grew. And I think it's important as a, as a teacher, I want my students to become better than I am. Yeah, beautiful. Um, so my work has evolved from Alex's work. Um, I capture and shape a lot of behaviors and then I use cue transfers to put them into a riding uh, frame of mind, if you want. So with, you know, we start on the ground, everything is captured and shaped, um, and that's part of part of my program. I guess I could maybe get into a little bit about that. Yeah. Now is that I was fortunate enough when I was little to ballroom dance. Wow. And um, I'm going to get weepy in here, but that's that's me. I should have. I should it's have okay. Worn. No, no, it's uh, okay. Emotion <laughs> is welcome on this podcast. Um. So I picture. I picture um, myself and my horse on the ground to start with as dance partners. And that's what my Equispeak is based on. It's sort of, um, I want it to feel like I'm dancing with a ballroom partner. That's beautiful. So I use a lot of, um, not targeting in the sense that, following a target it's more of a maintaining a distance from multiple targets my hands usually just like you would when you dance with a dance partner mm. um, and my alphabet i've i've got is sort of the the lyrics to the dance or the dance steps if you want to say um, i've tried to make it very easy for people to understand so I say, you know, okay, you'd like to do this behavior. Say you're going to start your pony to drive just to get away from the dressage a little bit because I do driving as well. Wow. Um, you know, what, what letters of my alphabet do you have to have in place before you can start to walk behind them? So it's all laid out um, so that people can hopefully follow it very easily. I've wanted to make it so that even for the people that are not very technological, they can get in, they can access everything. Um, and it becomes a dance. Um, it also, and I think this is the part that a lot of people these days miss, just in general in society, is the ability to be present in the moment. Mm -hmm. And enjoy yes. just being. And 
with the with the positive reinforcement work because it's uh, a lot of capturing and shaping and noticing what muscle is starting to move to start the movement. Um, you have to be very focused and present. You can't be worrying about what am I going to make for dinner or, uh, you know, are the kids okay or I've got this project due tomorrow. You have to be present. And it allows us that quiet that we used to have before society and social media and everything got so fast. Yes. So busy. So busy, right? And just to breathe and just enjoy being there and spending time. I've laughed more in the last 20 years with my horses and training than I ever did before. And that is huge. That's a huge gift mm. to be able to go out and do these things and say, oh, you, you'd rather pee off than just walk beside me. Okay, that really wasn't what I had <laughs> planned for this evening, but why not? Because you know it makes me giggle. Wow. <clears throat> and the gift so. of presence as well. What, a, what an extraordinary gift. It's something that everyone strives for and, and goes to classes for to do mindfulness and things like that, just to learn how to be present, and they're bringing that to you. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yes, they are. It's it's wonderful. And I get to help people become more aware of their bodies. Mm. Because just like dancing with a partner that's not very good, a horse will have trouble dancing with you if you're not body aware. Yeah. So all the exercises that I have people do, be it food delivery or targeting or any of the very basic stuff, I make sure that I incorporate body mechanics and body awareness for the human as well as the horse. Mm, it's so important. It is because we're, you know, we sit at computers and we don't move as much as we used to. And we're just, we're just not aware of what our bodies should be doing. Mm, or what they are doing. Or what they are, what they are doing. Exactly. You know, people will go, well, I don't understand why, why he fades out on me on when we're going on the ground on a circle to the left. I said, well, that's because you're pushing him out with your shoulder because your, your right shoulder is forward. And they're like, really? Mm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just being aware of where their bodies are. Um, yeah. And it, it takes time. It, it, the whole wrapping your head around the positive reinforcement work. Um, I mean, I started out as negative reinforcement with a cookie on top. Mm. and it is a journey to get to where you feel comfortable enough to say no I'm going to really try and do absolutely as much as I can with positive reinforcement but I always feel that you, your horse has to be able to function in society so it's like Ken Ramirez says it's our job to train them to be able to function in our world Yes. Right? It's, it's critical. Um, so it's also my job to make sure that I can train an understanding of pressure on a lead rope, but without making it an aversive. Yes. Right? So that's easy, that's easy to do. Um, and it's really cool to see uh, when you take a horse that has no baggage I have several young horses here that I've started strictly with positive reinforcement. Um, and it is so cool to see how easily they go, oh, that just means that? 
okay, not a problem. They don't the have other anything one. to reference it against. Then they right. There's yeah. there's no neural pathway that says I need to, you know, um, leave my body because things are going to get ugly or. Mm. Right. You know, when you're done with my body, let me know and I'll come back. Wow. Goodness me. Yeah, it's 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 very cool. And I'm so blessed to have all the people that board at my barn. Now I have a very small private facility, but everyone who boards out here is a positive reinforcement trainer. Oh, wonderful. So to have that kind of a community and feel free to do whatever you'd like to do and know you're not going to be judged. Um, I mean, yeah, our, our halters hang, they hang on the, on, the, on the wall in the barn and they very rarely get used because everybody's horse comes down at Liberty with them from the pens. Yeah. Yeah, you know. you're not the crazy person at the barn anymore. Exactly, you're right? And it's a great community. Yes, yes. And it's, it's hard. It is so hard. I feel for these people that are in these community barns and they're, they're chastised and they're ostracized and they're alienated. Mm. Um, and it's hard. It's it's hard to do different things in in a place where it's not looked at as okay. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by the Natural Horse Spray. Do your horses suffer from Queensland itch or sweet itch? Well, I have a spray that works wonders on this widespread problem for horses. The Natural Horse Spray in the Gypsy version is a beautiful natural blend of apple cider vinegar organic coconut oil and the highest grade essential oils to give your horse relief from itch this season. It's also got a bit of aloe vera in there to do some great healing. This formula may heal the itchy patches on your horse and is also a natural insect repellent to keep the midges from biting your horse. To purchase this product or to find out more, please go to my website at edenriverequestrian.com. That's why these communities are so important and why I'm so passionate about this podcast. So people have got somewhere that they can just clip in and go, I'm not alone, I am not alone, I am not alone, and I'm not crazy. I'm actually doing something great. Yes, yes, and there's so many people out there now doing it. It's, it's just lovely to see because it was quite a struggle in the old days. Um, oh, I could imagine. You know, you were, you were out there and there was no real social media back then to try and connect to people. And yeah, you know, we'd get together twice a year and go, hey, everybody's still out there? Yeah. Yeah, nobody's yeah. given up yet. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it, it's hard. There's, there's been a lot of attrition and it's, it's hard. I, I lose a lot of students if they have to go back into a, a public barn. Um, they just can't can't handle the the pressure that the barn puts on them oh, there's so many metaphors here though aren't there like there yeah. seriously are so many they can't handle the pressure that the barn puts on them how do you yeah. think the horses are going to respond to the pressure that you're putting on them you know exactly <sighs> yeah it is it is when you step back and you look at it you go oh my mm. yeah if you only if they could only step back at like the people that are putting the pressure on, if they could only see, but I think all we can do is try and plant little seeds. Exactly. And lead by example, people yeah. will come when they're ready. They'll transition when they're ready. They'll see when they're ready and some won't. And that's okay too, but yeah. um, we'll do the best we can. That's right. Yes. And that's, 
that's a challenge some days hmm. um, to try and you know to try and, and plant that seed in a in a way that you're not going to be sort of um, confronting the person. Mm. There's always that, um, how, how best can I do that? Um, you know, it, it, and it's, everybody goes through that stage of they discover positive reinforcement training and they try and convert everybody. And um, they soon learn that that's, that's not the best way to do it. No, preaching is not fun for anyone. Being preached yeah. at is not fun for anyone. No. Yeah. Sure. Can you think of a horse and a person, either a horse of your own or somebody that you've trained and the journey they went on? Was there, is there someone that comes to mind now where you can tell us their journey from a traditional sense into the positive reinforcement and the changes they were able to make? Oh, there absolutely is. I don't know if you saw the video of Bernice and Altia. I think it's on the website. I, with so many social media things, I tend to lose track of where I put things. <laughs> uh, um, but Bernice and Altia, um, Bernice I've actually known for many, many years. She was my cooperating teacher when I went through university to become a teacher. So she actually taught me back then. And we, we became good friends. Um, we both had horses. She was very, uh, very competitive back then. Um, she rode in the Tevis Cup. She had Arabs for years. She did um, traditional dressage for years and years and years. And uh, she watched me through my journey and my coming to positive reinforcement. And she came to me one day and she said, I'd like to try that. So it was nice. It was interesting to have a change of roles where I became her teacher. Wow. And to know Bernice, a little background on her, she's, she's very much A-type. She likes things done quickly and efficiently. And uh, in school, when we were all taking uh, classes from her, she was fondly known as the Dragon Lady. Wow. So you did not cross Bernice. You did, you did exactly what Bernice said. You didn't question. You just did it. You were never late for class. You always had your assignments done. So, I mean, you know, very, uh, very traditional and very rigid. Wow. How brave of her to come to you and say, I oh. want to know more about this. Yes, it was. It, and the, the rest of the journey is so cool because it took, you know, sort of like that little water droplet dripping on the stone mm. was what I felt like a lot of the time. Uh, because I would, I would show her something and say, okay, play with this just a little bit. And then next week, uh, and we had a lesson every week religiously. Um, and she'd come back and she'd go, I, I, I just don't, don't get this. He won't do what I want him to do. So I'm going to make him do it. I'm like, okay, let's just revisit this again a little bit. So it was a long, slow journey to get her to sort of, um, Lighten up, I guess is the word, and enjoy the journey. Mm. She was so set on, uh, because of her personality, and, and I was a lot like that too, so I could understand her journey. Mm. You know, we, we, we want to get to this. I want to do counter. I want to I do counter departs. Yeah, outcome-focused. 
Oh, oh come focused, right? I recognize like, okay. that personality. I have yeah. one too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. And so over the last, well, she started out with Zach, which was her old horse, and he was well schooled in traditional dressage. So she played with him and she had some fun, but there was never really, and she says it now herself, she, there was never really the connection that she has with this new horse that I found her. Mm-hmm. Um, so her and Altia, Altia came to her about four years ago. Um, Bernice is now 85. Wow. She rides every day. Well, she did up until two months ago when she broke her hip. Oh. But the first, the first words out of her mouth was she's laying on the ground. She says, damn, I'm not going to be able to ride this summer. <laughs> <laughs> So she's she's a delightful lady, and she asks me very difficult questions now that she's got her head wrapped around the process. Mm. She makes me think. She's a she's an excellent student because she makes me tease things apart and describe them differently and revisit them and try it again to see if I can get it explained to her the way that she can understand it. Um, but she got Altia. I found Altia from another friend of mine who was not very well. And Altia was 20 when Bernice got her. Mm-hmm. So we have combined ages of over a hundred. Um, Bernice had done some clicker work, uh, with Zach and was, was pretty good at her timing and that, but still was very outcome goal oriented. Mm-hmm. Altia was a 20 year old broodmare trail horse. So she was like a two by four. She, there, was, there was no bend. There was no give. I mean, she was very quiet. Um, the fellow did an excellent job, um, you know, with, with natural horsemanship. And actually, he's now come over to positive reinforcement as well uh, in his later days. Um, but she was, she's very safe. And that's what I wanted for Bernice. Uh, was something that was very, very safe. Mm-hmm. But the mare was totally shut down. She had hooded eyes, and she would just totally tune you out if you used the least little bit of pressure to get her to do anything. So her and, El- her and Bernice butted heads for quite a while until uh, Bernice sort of went, okay, Altia, what would you like to do? And ever since then, Things have changed amazingly. The video that I that I hope I've posted on the website, if you want to have a look, shows their journey um, in a in a Reader's Digest sort of form. So three years after the, she started with um, Altia, this mare now does um, the classical work in hand. She does uh, ravers, travers, shoulder in, contra shoulder in, half pass. Um, both at a walk and a trot. Uh, she will do it at Liberty. We've started a little Piaf uh, diagonalization, all captured and shaped. She Spanish walks, and she is a joy to be around. Wow. So it's, it's um, really cool to see uh, the little change that it took from Bernice to get the journey started. Mm. And the flexibility of body came with the flexibility of Bernice's mind. Yes. And uh, the mare is now sound. Her body looks amazing compared to what it used to look like. Uh, 
and she's using it correctly. So they're both excited to, to continue on their journey for many more years. And that, that just warms my heart. Oh, makes wow. it worthwhile. It, yeah, it really know. does. I imagine it does. It's those moments where you go, the world is a better place now. They've both come together and done the magic. That's the magic. Yes. With that give yeah. and take and the collaboration and the willing to give to each other in those moments. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very nice to see. And nice to see Bernice um, soften mm. um, as well and become a, a happier person, I guess, might be how I would um, describe her. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It can be life changing. They're here to teach you so much, horses. They're here to uh, take us to exactly where we need to be. Maybe not where we yeah. want to be, but certainly where yeah. we need to be. <laughs> yes, that's that's very true. The little rescues that I try and and get and and put some work on. Unfortunately, most of them end up staying, <clears throat> which is not a good thing. But <laughs> it's it's. Good it's it's good for them and it's fine because I'm, I'm very fortunate to have enough room to have them. And if um, your dream and my dream comes to, to fruition and we get these little centers all over the world where people can come and learn this work, mm. that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, when they can be a part of that. Every time I hear somebody who's out uh, ready to buy a horse and they go, I know exactly the horse I had in mind <laughs> and I bought this one instead. That's when I know magic's going to happen <laughs> when they're like, That's I wanted great. something, you know, this old and of this breed and this type of temperament. And they go, but I bought the three-year-old um, warm blood gelding. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that's when I know the magic is going to happen. So that's where I, I was liking the story where Bernice had the horse that she wasn't connecting to. I thought they're the ones that bring us the greatest gifts. Oh yeah, yeah, and they they butted heads for a long time until until Bernice Bernice finally sort of went, okay, okay can we just <laughs> let's try it your way? Yes, yes. yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. It's Tell me a bit more about the dressage because that is something, like I was saying before, that dressage never interested me because it looked like hard work for both horse and human. It's never looked like much fun until I've seen some really beautiful classical um, mm. people doing these extraordinary things and most of the amazing work, as you say, happens in hand on, on the ground. So can you go yeah. a bit more into that for me, please? Sure. Um, it's always been my passion. And I, I think it was even back then when I was young, it was the attention to the detail that I loved, um, the precision in the work. Mm. Um, it's like a whisper. Uh, you can't yell. You can't um, talk loud. You have to whisper is what I, when I've seen it done beautifully, that's how I yeah. see, that's how I perceive it happening. Yeah. You breathe, you breathe it into being. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of, of breath work that I do with my work as well. And that it's, it's like a pause of, of breath. You take a breath and then you start to, to send your energy forward and send them down the wall and a shoulder in. So there's that a half halt, if you wish, in a, in a more normal term. Um, but it's just, it's, they're capable of all these incredible movements at Liberty all by themselves. And we just need to figure out how we can 
ask them to do it in our presence mm. and with us. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's just, I don't, it's hard to describe because until you've really felt it, um, and my Spanish horse, Icky, the Icaro, but he's fondly referred to as Icky. He's, he's one of those oxymorons. He's far from Icky. Um, do you know in Australia what Icky is? Um, icky would be like not nice. Icky as in yes. ooh, icky, yucky. Yucky, that's the word. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting that he um, that I chose that shortening of his name for him. His, his registered name is Icaro. Um, but to, to get on him and to dance with him, um, and he came with baggage because he was started over in Spain. Um, he would get quite Spanish on me in the beginning when he thought he was going to be made to do something. The Spanish horses, their energies are totally different than any other breed I've ever worked with. And I've worked with many, many breeds. Mm. They're just, they're similar to an Arab in that they're very much people they want to connect. Uh, they want to be part of the family. Mm -hmm. I think a little more than some of the other breeds that, that I've been exposed to. Um, but it, you, you just think about what you want to do with him. Now that I've allowed my body to just follow um, and position my hips and shoulders where I would like his hips and shoulders to follow, um, just like a good dance partner. Mm. Um, and we, it's just, it's effortless. Um, I, I, it's, it's hard to explain. I, I love how you said you breathe it into being. That's a really beautiful visual that I've got from that. That's amazing. Well, that's you have to yeah. embody it. You have to be it, and then you have to breathe it into being. It's extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. you can't force it. You, you cannot force it. Um, just like you can't force a dancer, a human dancer, to perform. It has to be a passion and a spiritual thing mm. yeah because it, it's you know you can you can dance but then you can dance in those moments where it's like um, everything else washes away and it's just you and the moment and um, yeah. that that's the kind of thing that you're going for with dressage and that's how I understand now the two things you said before which is like it's effortless for you to ride and you've got more energy after you ride than you do before because you're in that place of everything else falling away and, and a connection to something greater. Yeah, the world goes away. Your worries go away. You are at peace mm. um, for a short period of time to be able to rejuvenate. And I don't know if it's the horses that give us that um, gift of them. Mm. Wow. Um, yeah, and you know, at, at, I know people often say that that tactile communication uh, can be aversive. Yes, it can. It's sort of an analogy with if you dance with a bad dance partner, then their cues are not subtle enough not to be aversive. Yes. But if you dance with a really good dance partner, a gentle touch on your back to say, "Wait." because there's someone behind you you can't go quite yet, it's not aversive. It is information, and it's, it's communication. Yes. 
Uh, Back at the start of the podcast, I interviewed a woman who does um, leadership work with horses, but she is a dancer herself. So she does um, dancing and she was speaking of this as well. And so it's a beautiful analogy as well to be able to understand that there are very different types of dance partners in the world and some that um, lead you by force and lead you by, um, you know, kind of jerking reactions and some that just have you floating across the dance floor. And you're the same person, but it depends who's there partnering with you and having that collaboration as to how you actually perform yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm, Beautiful. And Tell us more about what's coming up for you this year. I believe you've got some workshops coming up. I do. I, you have to be a little careful what you put out to the universe, as I'm sure you know. Um, I wanted to, to help spread the word and get it out there a little bit more. So I, um, I just recently launched my online course. There's only three modules available yet, but um, I'm hoping to release them fairly regularly and build all the way up through and into um, the ridden dressage, the ridden classical dressage. That'll take us all the way through the the classical in-hand work, but taught with positive reinforcement um, and a lot of cue transfers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the other leg is a driving leg, so a lot of people are interested in teaching driving using positive reinforcement. And then the third leg of the, the course will be... Um, more of the biomechanic body awareness so to help uh, use um, the work that I do to rehabilitate and keep horses sound um, that's fantastic I have that's so important um, thank you it is I have an eight-year-old that was supposed to be my last my last project my last fancy um, classical dressage horse and he managed to injure him both his hind legs one year apart um, but he is still sound, and my vet credits it a lot to the work that I do with him. So that was very cool because I thought he was not going to be able to be ridden, and, and we've started him under saddle um, with a young lady who's enthralled with the work. She's just she beams with it every time she comes out. And she goes, I can't imagine, I can't believe that I can just ask him to walk forward with my voice and my energy, and he walks. Um, so anyways, that's, that's the third leg is the biomechanics and the body awareness part. Um, that's that's aware. Some yeah. non-horse people were asking me just the other day, how long horses live for? And I said, well, how long do they live for? How long should they live for? And what can you do to make it longer? I said, it's a, it's a can of worms. I said, but you know, if you're a racehorse, you're probably dead by 10 to 12. And if you're a horse off the track, you might be lucky to get to 20. I said, 20 is an old horse. I said, however, if you're doing all the correct feeding and you're doing things like you're talking about with keeping horses sound and biomechanics and keeping their body supple and beautiful with positive reinforcement and dressage. And their minds, their minds happy as well, right? Exactly. And it's like us, when we do those things for ourselves, we can live a really long and happy life and we can double the 20 years at least for a horse. Yes. Get them up to, get them up to 40. There's nothing Mm -hmm. stopping us other than, um, how it is that we handle our beautiful horses. Yeah. And there's nothing that says we have to ride them. Exactly. We can absolutely enjoy them for many, many years, even from the start without ever having to ride them. But I do think it's important that we educate their bodies so that they remain sound. Mm, absolutely. 
Yes, yeah. and our bodies. And we can uh, yes. live a long and supple and happy life together. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Yes, that's my dream for sure. Yeah, I've got some minis, so they're going to live a long time. Yeah. Yes, and as far as uh, what else I'm doing this year, I've got um, clinics. I've got one in Toronto that I'm leaving for tomorrow, actually. Uh, and they're a more of an advanced clinic, which is really nice to be able to go in and work with some of the advanced dressage work that these people have have started on horses that knew nothing and they know nothing uh, from the positive reinforcement. And now they're they're starting to do these these cool things like haunches in and shoulder in um, at Liberty. Wow. Um, and captured. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the clinic this weekend. And I'm excited to be able to go to Europe again um, and teach in Germany and France with some people over there. And then I've got a really exciting clinic coming up in August with Peggy Hogan. Um, her and I are collaborating to do a um, start button and a uh, emotions clinic and a bunch of other things that we quite haven't haven't quite fleshed out yet but we're it's going to be an exciting clinic to have the two of us teach together mm, and where will that be happening that'll be happening in my farm in uh, alberta in uh, canada here just outside of calgary and that'll be in uh, i think the dates are august 23rd fantastic but if if anybody wants to contact me, they can send me an email through my website. Mm, absolutely. And we'll have all the links in the show notes so everyone can find you and, and get to those clinics wherever they are around the world. Oh. How exciting. Well, thank you. It's, it is exciting and it's, uh, it's cool to be my agent to be asked to go and do these wonderful things in different countries. I think that is just amazing. Yes, but just like our horses, age doesn't matter. That's, That's where the right. wisdom is. It's these um, brave yeah. women like yourself that are there still saying, well, I may have a bit of age, but I haven't, I haven't figured it all out yet, but let's all figure it out together and I can teach you this and, and I can learn while I'm going and we can all make this magic together. Yeah, and when you stop, when you think you know it all, that's when you have a problem. That's I a am an moment. eternal learner. Mm. It's dangerous. I love to learn. I've been a learning addict and now I'm a training junkie mm. um, uh, and have been for, for a long time and I will be forever more. Yeah, but it's, um, it's such a positive influence it's having on you and the world. So it's brilliant. Yeah. And uh, Monty, I just want to thank you so much for your time today. But more importantly, I really want to thank you for everything that you do for horses um, I feel so um, relieved and so um, inspired that there's people like you out there doing what you do and every horse that's come in contact with you is living a better life because of you so I really want to honor that and thank you for that as well today oh well thank you Tracy I want to thank you for doing these podcasts and helping get the word out and and get it out there to the world and to everybody and to, and to make it a reality um, as soon as we can. Yes, absolutely. I've got a, a few good years left in me yet too. So um, I really look forward to watching this grow. We're only at the inception stages and um, you know, we'll be having this conversation again in 10 years going, oh, do you remember when we, we first started this a long time ago? So yeah. Thank that would be fabulous. I look forward to 10 years from now with you. 
Yes, me too. Me too. And I look forward to bringing you out to Australia as well because that's all a big part of the plan too is getting oh. all these amazing people to to have human presence out here in Australia as well. And That would be wonderful. I would, I would make that journey for you. Thank you. And I would make sure it was wonderful for you all. All right. All right, Monty. Until next time, take good care and enjoy the clinics. I will. Thank you so much, Tracy. Have a good night. Thank you. You may have noticed I recorded this conversation before I took a break from the podcast, so the clinics and events that Monty speaks about at the end have passed. So I'm sorry about that, but this is the way things go sometimes. I wish I could have got it up earlier, but it just wasn't possible. If you go to Monty's website, equispeak.com, then you can see what she has coming up soon near you. You can also follow the links in the show notes to not only Monty's website, but also her social media pages. I'm on a mission to create a community of conscious horse people so that their horses all over the world can live a better life. This is a big mission with a wonderful message and it needs your help. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to join me on my mission of making the world a better place for horses by bringing consciousness to the horse world, please do one of the following. You can go over to our Patreon page at patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash come along for the ride podcast and become a subscriber to the show. As Patreon members, you're helping this podcast become a weekly show once again. And remember, any funds that go over the cost of production will go into new and exciting projects that you as a subscriber will have a say in. You could also pop over to EdenRiverEquestrian.com and see our range of sustainable, ethical and organic gear for both horses and humans. Remember, 50% of profits go back to helping horses all over the world live a better life. Or you could leave us a review and tell the world why you love this podcast. You can do that through whichever app it is that you're listening now. The best place to do it is through iTunes. They give juice that gives other bits juice that boost the podcast up and basically that gets it into more people's ears so that we can make a real difference in the world you could also share this podcast with a friend tell everyone you know about it and guide them to an episode that you think they'd really enjoy all the links you need can be found in the show notes thanks again for listening and i'll catch you next time on come along for the ride